0: hi everyone welcome back to first-gen friends on today's episode i am interviewing someone absolutely wonderful who i met in new york city back in 2013 when we were attending baruch college and i remember immediately feeling this amazing energy from her and i wanted to get to know her I think it had something to do with the fact that she was a fellow Latina and there weren't many other women of color in our classroom. But here we are nine years later and we've stayed in touch and I'm so proud of all the amazing things she's done in her life. She is a founder and CEO of Red Fox, a lingerie store empowering women to feel their best. And she's also the podcast host of The Sanity Report, where she and her best friend discuss sex, social norms, and so much more. I'm super proud of her, and I'm so excited to have her here on my podcast. I do want to just apologize for the sound quality. I am still working on that part of this. (laughs) So please forgive me, but I still hope you enjoy it very much. This is Daisy. Hey
1: everyone, my name is Daisy. Um, I am from California, Southern California, Riverside and I am Mexican, Mexican American. It's just always so weird to me that thing. I've, it's hard to identify with that because I, I didn't grow up having really close ties with my Mexican identity and my dad is Chicano, so he is not you know from Mexico and he and his family had like shame around being mexican so it was very interesting growing up and you know we were never told to be proud to be mexican so now as i reclaim my power i'm like yeah i'm mexican but i'm also i'm indigenous to this country i am native american of mexican descent
0: i feel sad to hear that your dad's out of the family you know, it was like, you're not allowed to be proud of, you know, who we are and where we come from. And then as a little kid hearing that, it's kind of like, then you're like, wait, should I feel ashamed? Or why can't I be proud of who I am? Right?
1: Yeah, like that wasn't even a a concept of being proud. It was just, you know, there's a lot of trauma that carries over. So I think with both of my parents, it was just, little bundles of trauma in survival mode, and they didn't give time to anything else. There was no talking to us about our roots, no discovering our roots. Um, My mom tells me that when she met my dad and his family, they made fun of her because they would call her like del otro lado or like from the other side. And although they were of Mexican descent as well, they were like almost like ashamed of it. And they didn't speak Spanish. They didn't want to speak Spanish. And they would, like, ridicule my mom for being from, quote, unquote, the other side. Uh, So it was very interesting growing up with my dad only speaking English. Eventually, he started speaking Spanish, but uh, he spoke only English. And my mom was just so busy being angry about everything that (laughs) she was just, like, not putting any, like, positive thoughts into my head about oh you're proud be proud you know you're Mexican nope but the good thing is that through that weird dichotomy I learned Spanish from her because she didn't speak English and English from my dad because he didn't speak Spanish and then somewhere everything just kind of you know then the Spanglish came along
0: because your dad was one way your mom was another like how did you feel like you identified then when you were in school because I'm sure kids were not It was
1: difficult because in school we were. When I was younger, we lived uh, in an area that was mostly Hispanic, so it wasn't terrible at school. It was mostly Latin kids. However, we had this neighbor, and that's kind of like the first time I felt like, oh, I'm different and I'm not good enough. And we had this neighbor across the street, and they would hang this huge Confederate flag like on their garage. And they were just so racist. And their kid and I, we used to like to play. We got along very well. Shout out to Lyle if he ever hears me. But (laughs) we used to love to play together, me and this kid. And one day, um, his dad was across the street, grabbed him by like the ear, dragged him into the house. And then the next thing I know, I hear Lyle screaming and his dad is bringing him back out in just underwear, holding a tub of butter. And he made him stand in the middle of the cul-de-sac on our street and eat butter. And that was his punishment. And I went up to him and I was like, Lyle, what's going on? Like, you know, I was probably like five years old, five or six. And I said, what's going on? What's like, what is this? And he's like, my dad's mad because I'm playing with you guys and I'm not allowed to talk to you anymore. Like, please go away or else I'm going to get in trouble. And I was like, what? It was just so hard for me to understand that. And then I went to his dad's house or to his parents' house and I knocked on the door because I was like, I wanted to know why. And I I knock on the door and the dad opens up and he's like, what do you want? And I was like, um, why is Lyle in trouble? He didn't do anything wrong. He's like, Lyle's in trouble because he went into your house. I don't want him going into your house. I don't want him talking to you. He's like, you need to leave before I call the cops. He's like, get off my property. He's talking to like a five-year-old like this. And he's like, don't you have a home to go to? Go away. And I was like, okay. And I just went home to my parents and I told them and my mom's like, you know, she's so bitter. She was like, yeah, it's because you're Mexican, those racist assholes that they think they're better than us. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay. And yeah, and then little by little, I just constantly heard my mom talking that way. So then I started to become keenly aware of the way certain people looked at us or treated us. And then it was just like, by seven years old, I was just this, I had this hyper awareness of just even a change in tone from certain type of people and I could detect the slightest little like racist comment or condescension and it sucked right to be that young and already have to traverse through that.
0: Did you feel like that was kind of when your confidence because as a kid you're like so confident and you're so excited and you know you're you're almost very naive and and Is that where your confidence started to maybe change a little bit?
1: Um, Yes. I think my confidence was definitely affected by that. Um, It was just a constant message of unworthiness, like you're not worthy. And we see it everywhere. You know, we're constantly inundated with those messages of, oh, you're Latin, so you're the help. Or, you know, you're never seen as... as the star the main character right so you know children are smart whether you know how to process those feelings and identify them or not you're still absorbing absorbing that information so i noticed that as i grew up old and got older i had a really hard time with that confidence level and it didn't help that i also had or have a very toxic mom Who did not help the situation because she was also ashamed of us being darker skinned than her. She was very light skinned Mexican, and we know that comes with its own set of problems. Uh, They can be very colors and and just you know. And so that that just on top of everything just did not make it a good situation for my confidence level. It's taken many years of self help and therapy.
0: As a young girl, what was your idea of American Dream? Did your parents push anything on you? Did you figure it out on your own?
1: As a little girl, my American Dream was uh, living in a big house. Like, you know, living, not, not necessarily a big house, but just like living in a beautiful house and having animals and having my dogs inside the house, in the house and actually being loved. Right not because we had pets, but they were never allowed inside the house. They did not get treated with love. They were just kind of tied up outside and they fed them, gave them water. And then that was it, like pouring rain, whatever they were outside in the fucking desert. heat. they were outside. Yeah. So my American dream was to have a beautiful house, a loving I don't know if I ever fantasized about having a husband, to be honest, I just saw a nice cozy house, definitely cozy, cozy house safety with my animals, loving my animals inside. Uh, I have to relate to you with going to the grocery store and getting whatever I wanted without thinking about how much it costs. Um, And going wherever I wanted and going out to eat, going out to sit down restaurants and ordering whatever I wanted and like Ooh, a waiter comes up to the table. Wow, that's that's what I wanted. And I think I've done a pretty good job at getting what I wanted (laughs) as a kid. When
0: it came to like work and success and, you know, going to college, like what was that conversation like with your parents? Were they pushing that on you like pressure?
1: It was completely it was completely absent. There was nothing there. None they were my dad was barely involved with us like he was there but but he wasn't kind of thing you know and my parents were both just so tied up with working and having their own fun that they didn't really emphasize anything with education they didn't push us they didn't care they never checked our grades in school they didn't get mad if we failed they never were a part of our school life. Like, school registration would come and go, and they wouldn't sh- go with us. And my brother would go with me, and he would forge my parents' signature. And, like, they were just not a part of any of that. They didn't push any of that. For them, it was all about be a good kid, like, listen and obey to authority and to us. Grow up, get a job, w- stick with that job, and just work your way up. And don't talk back to your boss, don't take days off um, like basically sacrifice whatever it takes to keep your job. And, and that was it. And as long as you were paying your bills, that's all that mattered to them. That was really all I saw them push or lead with example, but they never talked about college. They never said, I want a better life for you or, you know, look for this or try to push for that, or you can be whatever you want. None of that, none of it.
0: was the same way even today as a 32 year old person who has like pay time off whenever I tell my mom I have vacation day she's like they're gonna fire you you're taking off vacation and I'm like I literally have unlimited PTO I could take off every single day if I wanted to you know and she's just she's the same exact way so that's funny and they also weren't like on top of me with school like I had to want it and I had to put myself and like motivate myself to do it because they weren't checking my grades they weren't seeing what time i was coming home i could stay out all like till like 8 p.m and they'd be like oh like okay where were you <laughs> it was actually like don't go to jail because we can't bail you out that was a thing
1: <laughs> oh yeah my parents are like do whatever you want just don't talk to boys <laughs> It's like okay <laughs> yeah no my parents knew the internet. They didn't have to worry about that. I was too scared of them. Yeah, I was way too scared of La Chancla or whatever they had in arm's reach to hit me with. I was like, no, I, I was a very well-behaved kid because I was scared.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Did you did you watch the Jennifer Lopez documentary by any chance?
1: No, I did see a pop up, but I haven't had a chance. Is it very inspiring?
0: It is inspiring, but it's also very uh, relatable because there's one moment where she talks about her mom like beating the shit out of her when she was younger, and like how they still have that kind of like weird relationship today. And I'm like, that's so interesting because like my mom used to beat the shit out of me anytime I like gave her a little ounce of attitude. It was like, what'd you say? Like, go get the belt, and I'd be like, fuck, you know. And I'd have to go get, I'd have to go get the belt to be hit with it. <laughs> You know that walk <laughs> the trauma, even today when I, like, I do something bad in front of Max, who, my husband, I'm like, I'm like, wait, he's not going to hit me.
1: <laughs> like... Isn't, but isn't that crazy? The way that, that tra- trauma, like reaction. Yeah. It's still there. I noticed the same thing. Like if Michael comes home from work or whatever and I'm still in like, let's say my pajamas, because I've been like doing something on the computer all day, whatever, yeah. And he shows up, and I'm instantly going into a panic, and I'm like, oh. And I get up and I pretend to be cleaning, and I'm like, wait, 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 what am I doing? Like, I am not gonna get in trouble by my husband. And then he walks in, I'm like, hi. Oh my god, I've like, I've been so busy, and he like start giving him the laundry list of like excuses. He's like, babe, I don't care. He's like, I don't care. Like, what do you think? I'm going to like be mad that dinner's not ready. He's like, I I don't care. He's like, go relax. I'll make dinner. And I'm like, really? (laughs) And then my mom will be like, te va divorciar. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Do you know how many times my mom tells me he's going to leave me because I don't do his laundry? I'm like, he doesn't want me to do his laundry. Like, hop off. (laughs) Trauma.
1: My mom cannot believe it. it. She'll Facetime me, and just yesterday, Mike came and said hi to her, and he's like kissing me all over my head and the back of my neck. And she's like, "Is he putting on a show?" Because I'm on the phone. I was like, "No, we're very affectionate towards each other." And then she's like, "Huh? I'm surprised with you looking like that. I'm surprised he still wants to kiss you." <laughs> like, just mean. <laughs> my mom loves my my husband more than she loves me. <laughs>
0: Literally same. She's just shocked that he's still with me, honestly. So we're the same, (laughs) same toxic moms, (laughs) and it never, it's never gonna end. It will never end. It will never be enough. Um,
1: Imagine if we build them for our therapy.
0: I mean, that's what I say all the time. Like, I need to send her my therapy bill, and I've said this before. Where she's like, "Why don't you just talk to me?" And I'm like, "You're the reason why I'm here in the first place." You know? She's like, "Why do you spend so much money on that?" The audacity.
1: Yeah, my mom is. My mom. Yeah, my mom is shocked that I go to therapy. Why? Why? Now it's like I'm still scared of her. I'm still scared to tell her it's because of her. I can't handle her reaction. So I say, oh, well, it's different things, mama. It's good for everybody. Which I agree, it is good for everybody to be in therapy. But I'm scared to tell her you are the main source because she will like she will fly to New York and spank me, and I'm scared of her.
0: <laughs> Your entrepreneurial bone. Where did that come from? Because you have so many projects and things that you're always doing and you're so, and you're so confident. Like, I just want to know how you did
1: that. Well, I think confidence is a spectrum. (laughs) Sometimes um, my confidence is high with things I know well, Um, things that I have conquered, obviously I'm very confident about. And then there's a lot of things that I am not confident about, but I think that's normal with everyone, Um, and the whole entrepreneurial thing, I think that's just in my blood, because I've always had that fantasy in the back of my mind, no matter what career I decided to get get into, in the back of my mind, I was always like, I want to have my own, like, whatever it was, back in the day, it was like, I wanted to have a pet shop and sell pet stuff, because I had this cute little dog, and then it was like, oh, I want to have this, I want to have that, but it was always my own store. And as I got more confident to make that choice, and I felt more supported. And when I finally did it, I was just reflecting on it. And I realized, wow, well, my grandma had her own store, a lot of my aunts in Mexico had their own stores. And then I asked my mom about that. And she said, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's just common for especially Mexican people or Latin people, a lot of people they're their own bosses, right? They're out there. They're selling stuff in the corner they They have their own shops. They're making their own money and they're working for themselves. And I just think that's in my blood. And that was always that persistent desire in my heart. And I finally did it. And I think it took a long time to go in that direction just because I had to unlearn all the stuff I was taught by society that I have to be this boss babe and career woman and choose a career and then kill it and you know da 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 and I just could never fit into that role I'm a very sensitive person (laughs) and I am a very nice person and I feel like I just when I tried I just would end up coming home and crying and being miserable so I was like this is not for me I just I have to find my way and I've tried lots of different things and who knows in the future how many other projects I'll try, but I believe I should always just follow my heart and go in whatever direction it takes me. And obviously do doing all these projects is really our our own special way of healing through our trauma and then bringing healing to others.
0: That was so beautifully said. Aww. When you were younger, was there anything that you like really wanted that you were like, oh, I'm never going to be able to have that and that you have... You do have it today. It's kind of sad. I
1: don't feel like I had very big dreams. Um, so, I, the one thing that I used to hide in the closet and do was I used to hide in the closet with my radio and pretend I was a radio DJ. So, I used to have this fantasy of like having my own radio show or things like that. And now that the podcast is happening, I want to have a podcast, but that part of me, that like little girl dreamer in me that wanted a radio show is like, can we kind of make it like a radio show? Because this is like my version of having my own radio show. So I'm like, maybe I am having my dreams come true.
0: Hmm. Well, Daisy, this is so much fun. And I seriously appreciate you coming on my podcast, First Gen Friends. I am so excited for everyone to hear your story. And I'm excited for all the new things that you'll be doing in the future as well. I feel so special
1: to be on your podcast, and I can't wait to have you on mine. And yeah, you are just such a cool, badass bitch that, you know, I feel honored to be included in your badassery. (laughs)
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of First Gen Friends. If you want to keep up to date, go ahead and give me a follow on Spotify and on First Gen Friends on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Till next time.